I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcasts, and welcome to another episode of Nerd Alert. Uh, joining me this week is our very special guest host. We love having him. We love listening to him. It's those deep, uh, uh, dulcet tones. I don't even know what dulcet means. It just sounds good. Uh, it's that <laughs> voice. There it is. That gets him moist. It's Scott <laughs> Bacon. Hello. How's it going? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm great. I'm great. It's a wonderful day to chat about Invincible. It's always a good day to chat about Invincible. Uh, yeah, this week, uh, it's just the two of us again. We're running a Slim show. Don't worry, the band is not breaking up. We're just doing a thing where we record episodes in advance now, uh, so we don't miss weeks. So Scott's still here. The doc is still here somewhere. They're just not here today. Don't fret. Uh, it's not another brand split. Uh, but thank you, Don, for coming um, and being here today to talk about what I think is one of the greatest comics easily of the last 20 years, uh, which has now been adapted into very easily one of the best cartoon series probably ever. Yeah, I mean, this has been... Uh, I, I'm I'm picky about the shows that I will absolutely like want to binge or just like... I'm waiting for every episode, and this was one of them where I just I couldn't stand waiting a week for each episode. <laughs> That's a good sign. <laughs> uh, well, before we jump into all that, uh, I want to start with so we're talking about Invincible, we're talking about the comic, the show, everything. Uh, so let's start at the beginning, Don. What are your first memories of discovering Invincible? How did you first stumble across it? You let me borrow uh, one of the, like the omnibus copies. So I don't even remember how many issues are in that one. Is this like 50 or 25 maybe? Was it the big hardcover one? Yeah, yeah. I think it's 40. So I borrowed that from you. And I mean, this has been a, at least a decade ago. And brought it home and I couldn't put it down. I mean, it was one of those superhero comic books that like, I want to know what's happening next every single time. I'm so invested in these characters so quickly. And I think what also just makes Invincible stand out to me, hands down, is just because it's, you know, like basically just in the Invincible comics, you know, the the tone doesn't change every six issues. The writer's not changing so dramatically that you're getting something like completely different. Um, and it, 
it's just engrossing. Um, I love it. I really do. Uh, it's all the best parts of like that, that teenage superhero story um, that I've seen so many different characters go through put together into one comic. Yeah. Uh, so the comic ran from 2003 to 2018 for a total of 144 issues, all written by the same writer, Robert Kirkman. Uh, and I know we've had some some pretty, you know, Jeff Johns's run on Green Lantern was pretty big. Jason yeah. Aaron's run on Thor was close to 10 years. Uh, but 15 years and 144 issues, all the same writer. Uh, that may not be a record, but it's got to be in, in the, the top five of longest comic book runs ever. Uh, that is that is a consistency you just don't see with comics. Uh, like like Don said, usually every five, six issues when you change over storylines, you typically change over teams. Uh, if, if you know yeah. the, maybe the artist stays on or the writer stays on, but the, you know, those two roles switch out quite frequently in comics. That's uh, one of the things I tell people when they first get into comics is, if you love it because of the art or because of the author, don't get too attached to them. Uh, you got to right. love it because of the character, because those teams, and even, even if they even stay as a team, they'll, they'll fluctuate. They'll rotate in and out. Uh, it's rare to see one author, and especially one author of one artist, uh, which Invincible yeah. had. Uh, it ended up having two artists. Uh, hold on, I wrote down names, so I don't forget them. The original... Um, uh, artist was Corey Walker, who left after I think issue like seven, um, fairly early on, and then everything else was done by Ryan Otley. And Walker would come back to do covers and, and special issues and stuff like that. Um, but those three guys did the whole freaking thing. Like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's again, you know, you talk about stuff like uh, like your you know, TV show is when they change out showrunners or executive producers. And and how much like the tone of the show shifts, and you know, like like, like you know, Supernatural after season five when uh, Eric Kripke left, and, you know, season six onward when it's, it's new people throwing the show, and it's yeah, it's the same show, but it 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 feels different. Like you can't you can't say that you know it's seamless. Like it feels different, uh, not bad, but it's different. Yeah, um, so that's it's a crazy crazy accomplishment, which which again lends to why I think it's such a good book is because uh, everything. Uh, there was nothing to 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 hold back. Um, wow, names are hard today. Uh, nothing to hold back Kirkman <laughs> on story ideas. And if you wanted to plant seeds early on for a story way down the road, he yes. was there to make sure they paid off. Um, it, it it was you know, we didn't have to wrap this up in six issues and get out and and put everything back where we found it so the next author can come in and play with the same toys again. Like it's his toy box. They're his toys, and he could do whatever the hell he wanted with them, uh, and that's awesome. Yes. And she's a man who is not too emotionally attached to his toys. <laughs> Don't yeah, that's that. for sure. Spoilers. Um, so that's such the comic itself. Um, it was Flanagan who got me into it. Um, this was right around the time I was getting into like weekly comics and not just buying trades from a local bookstore. Um, he recommended, he actually recommended me ultimate Spider-Man, which I love. Uh, I and ended up face. reading. Yeah. <laughs> ended up reading that whole, uh, that whole run, uh, which man talk about another, uh, Brian Michael. Yeah. Brian Michael Bendis broke pretty much 
the entire original run of Ultimate Spider-Man. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I don't think I don't think he left until after they'd introduced uh, Miles Morales. And the book changed titles like 18 times. Uh, sorry, sidetrack. Uh, anyway, Flanagan got me into Ultimate Spider-Man, and then I was like, "Man, this is awesome!" He's like, "Well, if you like that, you got to check this book out." And he he handed me Invincible. Um, he also introduced me to Walking Dead before Walking Dead was a thing too. So, Chris Flanagan, Captain Flanet, Captain Chris, whatever you know him as, way way ahead of the curve as far as predicting awesome comic yeah. book stuff, man. You should find out what he's reading now because it's going to be the big thing in like five years. <laughs> um, but he's like, no, like you should read this. And in the story he told me, and I don't know how much this is true or not, but it makes for a great story, and it got me. And he was like, this dude wanted to do Spider Man. Uh, Marvel wouldn't give it to him or hire him or whatever, so he created this as his own version of Spider-Man. And if you read those that first run of Invincible, it's very Spider-Man-esque. Yeah, um, absolutely. We we meet our hero, who's the not necessarily like the picked-on nerd, but just kind of like the the invisible kid in high school. Like he's not a jock, he's not a nerd, he's not any of those stereotypes. He's not the most popular guy, but he's he's not a total. You know, he doesn't have zero friends he's just kind of there uh mark grayson uh but the big difference with mark is his dad is this universe's version of superman so he's just marking (laughs) marking time until he gets his powers and issue one they finally kick in and it's all downhill from there really is (laughs) So, have you ever played the? And this is related. The um, it's an art. It's a tabletop RPG called Masks. I have not. So um, they call this type of character like Invincible, like Spider Man, because um, you. So in Masks, um, it's a tabletop RPG, like like D and D in that way, but it's uh, it's all D six based, and I won't get into all of that. But um, everybody's like a teenage superhero, and you kind of like pick from instead of like going through and picking powers and things of that sort, you first kind of pick your overall like superhero type, right? Especially for those like teenage versions. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this one they call like, I believe it's called the Janus. And it is a character who is trying to find a balance between being a teenager, like they have a job or they have like family responsibilities of some sort but also like have powers and want to be part of this like superhero community as well. Um, and I think Invincible like does that really well. Like Spider-Man is obviously the one to like pick, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I think that he's like the archetype of that. And yeah, then the, the template everyone else kind of follows. Yes. But I, I mean, very strongly, I feel like Invincible really fits into that and lends itself to that. If you were, you know, if you're making a character, um, in the, in, you know, like in a masks game, you know, like you're like, well, I don't want to be just like Spider-Man, like basing it on Invincible, I think would really work as well. We'll have to talk more about masks later because that sounds awesome. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, the comic. Trying to do this without getting too spoilery. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and throw up a spoiler warning. If you haven't seen season one of Invincible, uh, or if you haven't read the first uh, 40 issues or so of, of the comic, we're going to ruin some story for you. Yes. Um, 
but there's no way to really dig into this without because there's there's here's the thing with Invincible. Every time I loaned it to somebody um, before the show came out, when no one had ever heard of it and didn't know what it was, uh, I would tell them. And, and Julian was a prime example. I, I was telling Julian, like, dude, you got to read this book. It's amazing. You got to check this out. It's awesome. Um, and he would test me. He's like, man, this is getting boring. This is like boilerplate. I get it. He's like, Spider-Man, I'm, I'm really getting tired of this. I'm like, okay, what issue are you on? Like, issue four. I'm like, all right. When you finish issue seven, let me know. <laughs> uh, because and it's not that those first six are bad, uh, but they do kind of, and I can I can definitely see this as a, a critique of the, of the series. It's fun because it's a whole new universe to explore. It's not the Marvel universe. It's not the DC universe. It is the Invincible universe. Uh, it's populated by its own characters. It plays by its own rules. So that's cool. Um, but the story for those first several issues until the big twist happens is kind of like you said boilerplate superhero um i'm trying to work a day job and get a girlfriend and be a superhero and i just can't balance it all uh it's it's very well-worn territory uh very safe space superhero storytelling um not that there aren't cool characters and cool things set up in those first six issues but the hook for this series the thing that either you're in for this or you're just done is at the end of issue seven, when we see Omni Man, Mark's father, uh, again the the mustachioed Superman of this universe, the the Henry Cavill pre CGI mustache removal <laughs> of this universe. <laughs> I just seen one shot of Henry Cavill with the mustache in the Superman suit, so somebody can Photoshop him into Omni Man. That's all I need. Somebody leak that image. Uh, <laughs> Um, we find the so his father is Superman. There's a group that is very uh analogous, analogous that's not a word. Um, it, it's very much the the fill in Justice League of this universe called the Guardians of the Globe. Uh, we have your parallels to, and I forget all their names, uh, but you've got your Wonder Woman, your Aquaman, your Flash, your is there a Green Lantern one? Yeah, because they have to like swallow the rock and then throw it back up. Uh, you, you, Green Ghost, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there we go. The yeah. Martian. Like you, you've got all your Justice Leaguers there, and they get ambushed, and in in a moment of stark brutality and shocking gore that is kind of absent up to this point in the comic, they are brutally killed. And the final panel reveals the person who did it is Omni-Man. Yeah, that's right, because they... Yeah, they... I forgot about that. Like, they don't show you. Yeah. You see the characters, you see something kind of whizzing by. It's not to the last panel of that issue that they pull back and reveal it's Omni... You see them getting attacked, but you don't know it's Omni-Man until that last panel of that issue. Yeah. It hits hard too, yeah. right? And I mean, the the book is brutal uh, in some of the fights up to that point, but that scene in particular, the level of blood and and gore is suddenly drastically cranked to eleven. And this was this was fun for me, um, like thinking about the show and, and the comic book, only because when when I watched it go down in the show. I had forgotten about this part, right? Like I, I definitely oh. remember like the, the season ender. I remember 
but I couldn't, I didn't remember this part. And so I actually watched it with um, uh, my cousin. Um, He's got a barbershop. He's got TV in there. And so he's got the first episode on and, you know, he's cutting my hair and we're kind of chatting and he's like, you know, he's asking me questions, but he doesn't want to know too much because the season has just started. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I mostly remember what happens. And we get to that part, and I'm like, oh! Because it is, <laughs> especially in the show, there is just so much detail that I was like, not prepared for to a certain degree, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it is very, it, it's, it's, it's bloody and out there. But I think that's what the hook for the show is, is that then it, or the, just the book in general, everything, the story is that uh, it's not, this isn't the book that you think that it's going to be. Yes. Uh, that is where it sort of stakes its claim. And it's like, okay, up until now, we've been kind of boilerplate superhero stuff. Not anymore. Like this is, we're, we are, we are going left, hard left. Yes. Um, and it's it's the moment that you know I I don't recommend this for kids. I don't recommend this show for kids. This is very clearly for adults or or you know teenagers who are yeah. you know are pretty well versed in superhero genre because it loves to take those tropes and completely turn them upside down on their head. And it I love uh, if you've ever heard of Robert Kirkman during an interview, especially talking about Invincible or talking about comics in general, um, he is absolutely 1000% that comic book nerd mm-hmm. uh, who had a deep passion for comics and superhero comics and storytelling and through thick and thin decided, no staked his claim is I want to make a living writing comics and thank God found some success. Uh, what's, what's insane. And I didn't realize this a lot. He, he did a um, interview on Kevin Smith's podcast, um, fat man beyond with Mark Murdoch, which is a fantastic show because uh, Mark Murdoch is, is awesome. Um, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked again. <laughs> uh, anyway, Robert Kirkman was on talking about the show. I think it was after the season um, one wrapped uh, so they could get into some spoiler stuff. But listening to him drop comic book references that went over Kevin Smith's head, like, wow, that's instant nerd credit. Yeah. That's it. Um, yeah, and and thank God it worked. But what I didn't know until he was talking about it on on Chemist's podcast is I knew he was working on Invincible and Walking Dead at the same time because they they were coming out you know at the same time period. I did not realize there was only six months between the first issue of Walking Dead and the first issue of Invincible. Seriously, that's it. I, I I was always in the impression. Oh, okay. I think he's. I'm pretty sure Walking Dead started first, and then I guess that got up and running. And then a couple of years later, he started doing. No, six months apart. Wow. From creating the characters to pitching it to the the comic, the 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 company, getting it approved, writing the stories, working every six months. Wow. Between the two, and then for the entirety of that 15 years that they were running. And granted, yes, there were quite a few delays in, in Invincible's uh, release mm-hmm. schedule. But it makes a lot more sense when you realize, oh, he's writing, working on Walking Dead and Invincible literally at the same time for 15 years. Wow. Yeah. I don't. I didn't realize that at all. Like, I mean, it makes sense thinking about it. But I guess I read both of those at like 
just completely different years from what I recall. And so it's like, are you serious? It's, oh, wow. Because they're both very deep, rich, character-driven, uh, um, very uh, um, deep lore and backstory yes. and like you know they're they're so writing either one of these would keep any normal author busy for decades uh just coming up with the ideas and that's something i want to get into in a minute uh is is the the world building because i think invincible has some of the best world building ever uh, but so does walking dead <laughs> it's like think, dude when did you sleep yeah i mean just think about the way that like the world in both of those is like peeled open in like these layers, right? Like you're like, so what's kind of happening outside of there? And then you get a glimpse and it's, it's, it's just very clear that like he has a vision for what this is like, you know, there are, um, I would akin to this to like, you know, when you play a D and D campaign with somebody, I'm thinking about D and D because I've been running a game for some friends, um, or tabletop RPGs. The show's called nerd alert. Never apologize for thinking D and D. But, you know, you, you think about those games and as, as a DM, you know, like somebody asks a question about this world that you made and you're like, oh, you know, I didn't think of that, right? Like, there's just, there's something you kind of have to like come up with on the spot. And this, both of these books, The Walking Dead and Invincible, just, uh, as I think about them, I'm like, every time I like started to imagine what this world was like outside of there, I kind of got like a glimpse of what it was like or, you know, the way that you meet people, the way that people interact Throughout the book is just uh, or throughout each of those books. Wow, he wrote both of them at the same time. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's one of the things that hooked me into the book, and one of the things that I've loved to see in the the cartoon is the level of world building that Kirkman does with these characters. And and one of the things that I always tell people when I'm trying to sell them on reading the comic. Um, so now it's easy. I just say, oh, did you like the show? You should go read the comic then. Uh, yeah. But before I had that to fall on, it was uh, the thing I told them. I was like, okay, look, if you're trying to get into comics and you're intimidated by the decades of history and backstory that you know Marvel and DC have, and granted, they both do a good job of, of coming up with new story points to for new readers, you know, jumping on points for new readers to get involved with, there's still inescapably lots of lore and backstory. And, you know, lots of writers like to come in and kind of pull something out from 10, 15, 20 years ago uh, because it, it excites all the older readers. Um, yeah. We just finished a storyline in Thor right now, um, post Jason Aaron, where they dove super deep into the whole Thor Donald Blake thing. And like, was did Donald Blake ever exist? Was he really a person? Was he this you know identity created just for Thor? Where has he been? Um, which I think they already addressed that in an issue, but it's been a while since we talked about it. So like literally there was an entire six issue run where we found out Donald Blake was banished to some like sub realm where he huh. was built to be like a utopia for him, but it fart fell apart when Odin left power and he's slowly just been driven insane for decades. Um, so when he finally gets out, when, when Thor finally does the like tap the hammer slash cane to switch back, uh, they switch places and Thor gets trapped in this realm and now crazy in the universe. Like, that's a deep, you're playing with deep lore. So I, yeah. I understand uh, people that can be intimidating to people sometimes. Because there was like, okay, especially like if you only know Marvel from the MCU, who the fuck is Donald Blake? That's a yeah. throwaway joke from the first movie. That's a real character. Um, 
So what are my selling points, to get back to my original point, sorry, uh, is Invincible is its own universe. Invincible, mm-hmm. the whole world starts with Invincible 1. So if you're starting, or you should, from Invincible number 1, I mean, don't start with, like, issue number 25, that'd be weird. So <laughs> 1, you're in on the ground floor. Uh, they may reference things. Uh, but don't worry if you're confused, you should be because we as the readers have no idea what they're talking about yet. Um, the whole universe from that first issue is, and this is what I love because it's really hard to do with world building. You get a sense that we, the reader might not know everything about like the guardians of the globe and how they came to be and all the other, there's dozens of superheroes that populate this world and we might not know all their backstories and understand what all their powers are and things like that but robert kirkman does so you never get any confusion or any lack of knowledge about a character doesn't hurt the story at all because we are new to this universe and in a lot of ways mark is new to this universe his dad is omni man and he he lives in a world where he he knows he's seen the guardians of the globe on tv Sure, but he just got his powers. He just got his name and his costume. He's still new to being a superhero. So when he meets these people, he's meeting him for the first time, just as we, the audience, are meeting him for the first time, which is so genius. Um, But you never get the sense that Kirkman's just making it up as he goes, or he's just pulling it out of his ass. Like You get the feeling that he's really sat down and... Again, we, the reader, might not know everyone's backstories and their motivation and all that kind of shit, but he does. Exactly. Um, there's a scene with, and, and the the show does this too. They, they flesh out a little bit more, but there's a scene where we see the Flash character, whose name I can't remember, uh, Red Blur or something like that, uh, just having a, a picnic lunch with his girlfriend. And we don't know her name. We've never met her before. They're talking about relationship issues. We've never seen those issues play out in a panel before. But clearly Kirkman understands these characters and understands them. And he's pleased. Again, he's playing with those tropes that comic book readers are familiar with. The whole, you know, you don't have time for me because you're busy saving the world kind of thing. But it's little moments like that. That you would see in like. Like a big comic where like flash and iris are having a picnic and talking about the relationship issues you'd see that in a book like that invincible still does those even though you don't necessarily know necessarily know who those characters are those those moments those scenes are still in there because kirkman is understands who these people are and what motivates them and what drives them and he gets to, like you said uh reveals them in layers uh which yeah. is yeah yeah that 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 issue seven like when the Guardians get killed is actually, I'm just, I'm looking through cause I have it here now. Like <laughs> he actually introduces everybody. Like you get the feel for them. And it's something that I love that he does. Um, and I'll actually relate it to, uh, what is it? Is did, did I will look only because it's right here. Um, <laughs> Morrison does this really well for Superman and all-star Superman, which is one of my favorite comic books as well is with two pages for almost each of those guardians of the globe. I know exactly who that character is through those two pages. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's what's amazing to me. Cause the, he's uh, the blur or whatever they call him in this, you know, like it shows him like saving it, getting a cat out of the tree, um, you know, like beating a nemesis, helping somebody whose purse is getting stolen and then getting back to this picnic, you know, within those moments. Right. It's, yeah. it's two pages and it gives you that. And it's like, Oh, I know exactly who this character is. And he's not the exact same as the flash. He has things that are like him that are like the Flash, but he's also, you know, 
his own person. And they, they do that with each of one of those characters before you see them be brutally murdered. Yeah. And it's, it's such great setup. Cause it's like any other issue is like, okay, so like we've shown these characters, but we haven't really spent time with them. So, okay, this is the issue where we don't do a lot with Mark, but we get to, we get to know these other characters. And like you said, each one gets like a two page kind of spread to understand like who they are. And, and again, it's, it's a great example of, of, him leaning on superhero tropes because they're all sort of versions of the justice league. Um, so like we, we, he, he leans on that sort of like collective common knowledge of like, Oh, okay. Flash, he runs fast. Got it. Oh, okay. This is like wonder woman. She's like a warrior and she's badass. Okay, cool. Uh, like, yeah, he, he kind of leans on that. He uses it as shorthand basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but still flashes them out into the, to their own people. And he does that in an issue where the entire point of that issue is we're going to kill them all at the end of the issue. And before right. we do that, I want you to know who they are. I want you to get even slightly emotionally invested in some of these characters and yes. hear about their, their relationship problems and understand their battles and their triumphs. So I can brutally murder them at the end of this issue. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it makes that ending. Cause the whole thing is it's just, it's them getting called to the whatever their home base is and it's it's seeing them what what here's what they're up to before they get the call and then they all meet up and it's like i didn't call us who called i, I didn't well, who brought us here and then boom um yes. you know the bomb gets dropped on us because it's like it's it's a great that's such a good issue um mm-hmm. and it's it's such a it's such a robert kirkman thing to do where it's like it's kind of mean it's a little yes. fucked up but it's it's brilliant at the same time, and I feel like that is that is Robert Kirkman, <laughs> brilliant, little mean, kind of fucked up, and you know, and kudos to Kirkman as well as, you know, by the time that I'd read an event, read Invincible, like I had been a comic book reader, right? Like you know, you get sort of surprised by things, right? Because there are there are certain people who are you know dead in comics, and when you bring them back, it's like okay, like no big deal, right? Like the only three people I think who are actually dead in comic books for the most part are uh, the Waynes and Uncle Ben, right? Yep. And that's really about it. Um, and you can even bring back Thomas Wayne every once in a while if you want to. So it's yeah. really just is down to two. <laughs> we just um, have to go visit a different Earth, and he's back alive again. Yeah, right. And 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 then you know when people die, you just assume ah oh, well, somebody's dead. Okay, well. It might be a couple of years from now. Six months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I think Captain America stayed dead for a couple of years. Um, they, you know, they, they gave that one some 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 length. But uh, in, actually, Don, he was never dead. He was just placed in time. I mean, so, you no, don't no, have you're to right, tell me right. that. <laughs> <laughs> Remember for that, like, three years when Batman and Captain America were just stealing each other's storylines? Oh my gosh! I was, <laughs> I'm just gonna take it aside here to say that I'm still mad at Battle for the Cowl, where like I just read the exact same thing happen in Captain America. Are you saying Battle for the Cowl somehow rips off Who Will Wield the Shield? Those are totally different. It's a different rhyming scheme altogether. <laughs> are you saying finding out our hero isn't really dead? They've just been randomly displaced in time because of wacky comic book sci-fi shit. You, you no, know what? Holy, look, Batman got displaced by a Zeta beam, and Captain America got shot by a quantum bullet. It's totally different. <laughs> at least Captain America's thing is being displaced in time, right? Like, at least that's, like, his thing, right? Like It's on brand, yeah. <laughs> when it happened to Batman, I was like, I, th- 
<laughs> this is an excuse to sell toys. We want Pilgrim Batman, Pirate Batman, Medieval Batman. I mean, I will say that I did almost... There was a Caveman Batman, wasn't there? And I actually really yeah. liked that one. Yes, there was. I forgot about that. If you're a World of Warcraft fan, it was like what you wanted Rexar to be. Um, which, John, if you're not familiar, Rexar in World of Warcraft is half, org- half ogre, half orc. But he wears a cowl like Batman, and it's just wonderful. It really is. Um, Catching me up. Anyways. What? what? (laughs) (laughs) Jokes for two. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I got us off track. You were making a point that I derailed us. Oh, being surprised by stuff. Yeah, so I was completely surprised by this. Um, You know, and and it gave this, like, era of... Not era aura of mystery to what was going to happen next in the book. Um, If our hero's father isn't the paragon of good like Superman is, right? Because that's the archetype that he has in this comic book. Mm -hmm. Then who is he? And what does that make our hero as well? And so it makes, to me, it makes Invincible such a page turner because then I'm watching this person develop and who is he actually going to turn into? Um, And, you know, where's Omni-Man? If you've watched the show already, right? Like, is he going to come back? What's going to happen next? It just makes it very, very, very good, in my opinion. So here's a perfect point to jump into comic versus uh, series, because they both have the same twist, but they come at very different points in the story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this is one of those things where when I was watching episode one, I was like, man, I really wonder how long they're going to play this out until the twist comes. Because for mm-hmm. me, that that twist, that moment, that is the hook of the series. That is what gets you in. That's what differentiates this from so many other superhero books in the genre uh, that are just sort of aping things that have already been done. Like that is the uh, I'm trying to think of another moment to compare it to uh, in like TV stories. That's the that's the Ned Stark moment of Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, where it's like we're yeah. staking our claim. This is the, the, we're not the kind of show you think we are. This is the kind of show we're really going to be. Uh, so I was curious, like, how long are they going to stretch that out? Two, three episodes? How long are we going to play? Because you know, again, it's it's a good it's seven issues into the comic. Uh, for those unfamiliar, comics come out once a month, so that's seven months into the comic when that twist finally hit, uh, if they all come out on time. Yeah. So I was a little surprised. Um, that it comes at the end of episode one. Yes. But I think that's a perfect sort of uh, comparison for the, the series in general, which is, I was talking to, I think, Koran about it, who hadn't started watching it yet. And I told him, like, it's, if you love the comic, you will love the show because they are the same exact story, but it's sort of like Kirkman got to do a second draft. Like, okay, Tell the same story, but do it uh, a little more streamlined. <clears throat> Sorry, a little more streamlined. Uh, everything that happens in the show, for the most part, happens in the comic, not necessarily in the same order or at the same time. Um, but they aren't just wholesale inventing shit for the show, mm-hmm. um, like other shows tend to do. Jupiter's Legacy. Um, <laughs> and it's been really awesome to watch because like like you done i hadn't read the comic in a long time i was waiting for that twist to come so when it came at issue one i was like oh wow good for them 
And then everything after that, I kind of had forgotten about. Um, the whole alien invasion where they, they age differently because time works different for them. And they keep reinvading, but like decades yes. have passed for them, and it's been like a day for us. I totally forgot about that storyline altogether. So at the end of uh, the first episode, I pulled out that omnibus uh, and started reading through it again. I was like, and I was really, really shocked with like, oh no, no, that is here. It's later in the book, but yeah, that's totally here. Um, how really faithful the series is to the book. I was very taken aback by that in a good mm-hmm. way. Well, and. That that storyline I didn't remember. I remembered more so the um, the the aliens that are taking over Mars. Like the yeah, <clears throat> I remember them particularly just because one of my favorite things about Invincible being its own universe was was that those things would pop up and maybe not necessarily when I was expecting them. Right, like this is a this is a recurring reoccurring like villain, a reoccurring thing that um, you know like Mark is going to have to deal with. But by doing it within its own universe, it's not like, oh, something happened in, uh, you know, this issue over here and you're going to have to read it to figure out how they developed in this way. <laughs> it's just that they came back and now Mark has to deal with this again. And it's a little bit different. How has Mark developed? How have they changed? Um, Invincible being its own universe, like, lends itself to being one of the best superhero comics in my mind just because it's I don't need to know this or that or whatever else. This is this is its lore. And the way that Kirkman delivers those layers to us is just impressive. Um, and you, you brought, bring something up I hadn't even thought of, but uh, yeah, even more reason if, if you're not into comics and you enjoyed the show, absolutely go read Invincible. First of all, it's super easy to find now. Uh, it's out in, you can get trade paperbacks, which are about six issues uh, collected in one. It's easy and fun because all the trades are titled after 80s and 90s sitcoms. Yes. <laughs> uh, which another thing I was like draw on the floor over about the show was <laughs> Mark still goes to Reginald Johnson High School. Yes. And in a perfect moment, the principal is voiced by Reginald Johnson. Johnson. Yes. <laughs> which I was like, that's is, it's beautiful. That is it his tears. name? That's gorgeous. Principal Winslow in the. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. it is. This is the alternate universe where Carl Winslow didn't become a cop. He, he became a high school principal instead. Um, details like that, that as a nerd from the comics, I was kind of looking for like, oh, are they going to call it? Oh, shit, they did. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, get me excited because I'm a nerd. Um, so, yeah, all the all the trades are titled after sitcoms from the 80s and 90s. Then there's the um, there's a step up. There's a hardcover, which collects like 24 issues a piece. Um, then there's the compendium, which is soft cover, but it collects like 40 some issues, like 48 issues a piece. Uh, and then there's the, I have too much money, you know, time collection, which is what I have, uh, <laughs> which is the hardcover slipcase omnibus, which there are three of, and I don't think those three cover the entire run. I think there's like 40 some issues in there and it ran for 144. So it covers those three volumes cover most of, but not all of, um, but super easy to go back and collect now. But the point I was trying to make, sorry. Unlike everything else from the big two Marvel and DC invincible with very few exceptions has no spinoffs mm-hmm. or tie-ins or events to follow. It's just, it's invincible. Yes. By invincible one, 
then buy Invincible 2, then Invincible, just follow the numbers. Right. You don't have to worry about title changes. It it didn't change titles and switch numbering eight different times during that run. Uh, it which happens all the time now because companies are worried if the numbers get too high, people will stop reading them. Uh, but we have a landmark issue coming up. Like this, you know, this issue uh, technically is issue eight of our current run. But if you go back to the beginning of the character, this is issue 800. So for now, we're going to renumber it 800. So your, your collection is going to jump issues one through seven and then jump to issue 800. Because uh, right. we want that landmark number issue. I hate that so very much. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I own a few of the, I think 600 is, is uh, I think I have like Captain America 600. I think I have Thor 600. And, um, I just, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. I, I'm like, I'm so confused by the numbering of these. And when I'm looking for the story that I read, you know, a few years back, I'm like, what number was this again? Which, you know, <laughs> oh gosh. Marvel's even sort of doing now. If you, if you look at most Marvel stuff now, um, there's two numbers for every issue. There's the main, like in, in the top left corner, you've got your big number or whatever. And then in a little black box underneath that, it says, uh, LGCY, which is legacy number, uh, whatever. That's it's a little bit better. That's that is better, honestly. Um, uh, but no, it's none of that shit with Invincible. Uh, yeah. There were a couple of sort of spinoff comics uh, with Adam Eve and Rex Blode, but those are, I think, a total of like four or five issues, and they're collected in their own trade. Um, they did a Guardians of the Globe comic. But I don't think Mark was even in that. It was mostly just here stories with other characters from the Invincible universe. So yes, you don't you're... have to read that to to follow the story for Invincible. Uh, which, oh my god. <laughs> the posters and teasers for the Guardians of the Globe comic were fucking hilarious. Uh, again, if you're a comic book nerd, uh, this is right at the time they were rebooting the Avengers. And the Avengers put out a bunch of individual character posters. It was They were going to reveal who was on the new roster for the Avengers. And like every day or every week, they put out a new character poster to, to reveal who was on it. So Kirkman being Kirkman uh, completely parodied that entire process. And like, we're doing Guardians of the Globe and we're going to put out <laughs> Here's Who's in it. And it was literally the one that got me was it was... Um, uh shit uh the main character from walking dead i can't think of names now rick um, grimes yeah rick grimes from walking dead the comic you know missing hand and hatchet and everything <laughs> there is a teaser poster for him in black and white and the tagline <laughs> at the bottom said this makes no sense but it'll sell some issues <laughs> that's fantastic yeah it was great it was just him trolling the comic book industry which is great um I forgot my original point. Now I'm just laughing at Kirkman being fucking funny. Um, but yeah, no, it's, a, it's a very easy series uh, to follow because you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, well, there was an event comic. And to find out why Thor is missing an arm now, you have to go read that event comic. Or like I, I skipped over um, Dark Knight's death metal uh, because I wasn't a huge fan of Dark Knight's metal. This is the big DC event. Um and now I'm reading Wonder Woman and I'm fucking confused because apparently something happened to Wonder Woman in that uh, um, that event comic. But I didn't read that event comic and they haven't really told me what the hell happened in Wonder Woman. Uh, I just know that suddenly I now have four different Wonder Woman titles to read 
uh, and I'm super confused <laughs> as to what the hell's going on. None of that shit in Invincible. It is just, it's Invincible. And you want to follow the story? Just read Invincible. Yeah. If you want to seek out some of the other titles, it's it's there to kind of like pepper the universe a little more, but none of it is necessary. Yeah. I um this is this is one place where I will endorse uh, a digital comics subscription and I you know, I I still still support your comic book stores. I still like to go when I can. Um but one of my favorite things is being able to catch up when there's like a big event <clears throat> and things have changed. And I was like, you know, I still want to collect my character, but I don't feel like going after whatever this like world bending event was. And, you know, like after a few months where it's, it's made its way onto the digital subscription, I could kind of catch up on it and be like, Oh, you know, I used to have to like comb through uh, Wikipedia articles and wait for somebody to update it or whatever else. So I could figure out what was going on. So, um, and I know DC has one, I think DC's is different now. So I may sign up for it as well. Cause I, uh, I like catching up in that way. See, I insist on physical media because I'm an old man and I'm cranky. <laughs> um, get off my lawn. <laughs> so, no, I'm I'm going to have to bite the bullet and buy the Dark Knight's death metal trade whenever it hits because I'm so fucking confused right now. Um, and that, that's that's the one of the biggest problems with the comic book industry right now is yeah. it used to be every couple of years you'd get a big event and it would it would change the status quo of that universe going forward. And they were cool, and people bought into them. And and now we're on. It, it's it's becoming like pay per view events for wrestling. There's one every month. Uh, it's it's not quite that bad with with comics yet, but at least twice a year for both Marvel and DC, there's some big event that's going to yeah. reshape the universe going forward, and you better read it. Uh, and it's kind of the point now where it's like, okay, it's an eight issue series plus uh, 14 tie ins. Yes. So if you want to read everything, you got to buy 32 issues every week uh, to follow with what the hell's going on. Right. At- we didn't print 32 issues this week, but you got to refine them somehow. You got to write your own to make sense. <laughs> you know, it's I, gotten bad. I, I loved Civil War. I really did. I thought it was just a fun concept. And it was one of the first. I think I guess it was coming out as I started to buy comics. So mm-hmm. that many years ago, 2007, right? Yeah. Um, 2000, 2007. And so I loved it. It was really interesting. It really kind of, it honestly did flip some things on its head, which was super fun at the time. Um, but mm-hmm. there being something like that once a year is just not necessary. I don't need it. You know, I think what made Civil War so groundbreaking was that like, I hadn't read anything like it before. And now I get something like it. I've had Civil War 2. Um, I assume I'll have Civil War 3 because it's been at least, what, five years since that came out, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How boring was Civil War 2? Yeah, it just didn't. <sighs> did not. Yeah, it, it- same and look i'm sure somewhere out there and this is why i wanted to have scott cox on the show because scott cox is an old school comic book fan so me and don sitting here talking about how much we love the civil war and how much events suck now i am sure if i go back far enough <laughs> or you know, scott cox will be here ranting about oh you guys are but i remember secret wars when that was a big thing and now they do this stupid and you know, looking at it from a, a different perspective because he's got some more time in the more skin in the game than we do yeah. on this uh, it's, it's, I think it's always been an issue with comic books. I, I think it's, it's, it's gotten so much worse just because events sell books. Yeah. Um, and 
it, it was getting a little bit better for a while. At least Marvel was doing, they were still doing at least two a year, but they were, they were drastically reduced in size. Like one of my favorite ones, because it was Thor centric was uh siege, which yeah. was a bunch of bad guys, uh, sieging, uh, Asgard, which at the time was a floating city uh, and the plains of Oklahoma. Don't ask comic books are weird. Uh, but that only lasted four issues, or maybe five. Yeah. Like they, they didn't stretch that out for 12 issues with a bunch of tie-ins. Uh, it was four issues and done. And there were a couple tie-ins for specific characters, um, but it was it was very brief, and mm-hmm. it, it, it changed things for like you know a handful of characters, but it wasn't like, we're going to change the whole universe. It, it just, you know. But no, now we're right back to square one, where it's... Sorry, this has gotten off on a whole different tangent. But yeah. uh, the point is, we love Invincible because it doesn't do any of this bullshit. Exactly, exactly, yes. It 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 gives you a story. Um, it gives you some characters to follow. I mean, and the other cool thing about Invincible is, is that it's not like you're just, you know, the camera's over the shoulder with Mark the whole time. It's not like you don't get other characters and meet them and become invested in them as well. I mean, uh, if you watch the show already, like, I always wanted to know more about what was, what Robot was doing. So I was like, this is the shadiest character in this whole book, and I need to know more. Um, and there's another. So let's one of the things I want to talk about uh, with the, the, not just the differences between the show and the book, but I think the show, again, I look at the series as it was Robert Kirkman getting a second draft of the story of Invincible. And what would you do as an author if you got a chance to go back and rewrite the story from the beginning? And you hit the nail on the head there, Don. One of the things I love about the series is now that he knows the story is done, essentially, like the Invincible, the comic is finished. Uh, issue 144, story is over now. So knowing exactly the end game of this storyline and knowing where all these characters will eventually end up, if you can go back to the beginning and redo things, how would you shuffle things around? Right. And or or would you or would you leave it how it is? And robot in the comics is that character where you are just waiting the entire time for the heel turn to come because, yeah. like you said, he is written intentionally shady as fuck. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is his comic? You're waiting to see. Okay, is someone pulling the strings? What's really going on? And there is a turn moment which the show handles beautifully. Uh, but it, it goes again, it zigs when you think it's going to zag. Uh, yeah. it's not a reveal that he's some mustache twirling, evil, bad guy controlling this drone. It is a drone. Robot isn't a robot. Robot isn't AI. He's not Ultron. Uh, we meet robot and he's this super intelligent, but incredibly deformed fetus basically. And you come to find out all the shady stuff he's up to, freeing the Mahler twins and having them clone bodies, is actually for a really, really emotionally touching purpose. Uh, he's fallen in love. Yeah. With Monster Girl. Uh, who is <laughs> one of the, like, again, it, it's, <laughs> I love Kirkman. It's sort of a giant F you to Hulk. Right. <laughs> she turns into this giant uh raging monster who can, you know, is, is super strong and, and brutal, and then she turns back and, and she she de-ages. She gets younger every time she transforms. So she went from being in her mid twenties to looking like she's twelve now. Um, which is it fun at first because they play with the whole like, 
I'm a little girl, but really I'm not. And, you know, yeah. Rex Floyd making fun of her and her transforming and beating the shit out of Rex. Um, but uh, so the, the robot turn is is one of those things where, and again, it, it's it's nothing that like didn't happen in the comics, but they give it more time and give it more weight. Um, and yeah, it's so good. They definitely give it more weight in a way that, um, and I, I, that, I think that's what, where the cartoon kind of excels, right? Like the, like issue seven, like we were talking about before when Omni-Man kills the guardians of the globe in the comic book, it's like, you know, I mean, it's visceral, but it's what three or four pages. If that, yeah. In this, I mean, it's like you watch in very gory detail of, you know, of what happens. Um, and by giving it like some of that time, um, because I think what makes it work in the comic book is, is that it's immediately a, a, a page turner and then you get to the end and you're like, I have to buy the next one immediately. Right. Like if it, <laughs> if it wasn't in your holds folder already, like you're, you're going to the counter to make sure that it's on your holds folder. Yeah. Um, and in the show instead, it was just like, I have no idea what's coming next. And by giving it that time, by giving it like some, uh, some emotion and I'm going to just give a kudos to, whoever does the voice acting for robot, because um, I remember when I read it, you know, like I tried to read it almost like in that Ultron sort of way, like what you mentioned, right? Like I imagine this as being as emotionless as possible. And, you know, you pick up on all of those things about robot, like he has inflection in his voice. He definitely sounds different um, depending on the circumstances in the cartoon. And I think they did a really good job there as well. Uh, I believe it's Zachary Quinto in the show. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, because right, everybody, all the voice actors are like famous. I forget. Oh, about dude, that. this voice cast is phenomenal. Um, just it, it left, right, and center, amazing. And 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 my my thing with voice casting, uh, at the risk of getting another rant, is I hate when they just cast famous actors to do voiceover yes. because acting and voice acting are two different skills. Uh, I'm not saying one's better than the other, but they are two very different skill sets. Absolutely. And just because you're a great actor doesn't mean you can be a vo great voice actor. Uh, in this case, uh, even though they've cast some pretty well-named actors, they all absolutely nailed it. Just then a question as well. Are Steven Yoon and uh, Robert Kirkman, are they best friends? They it, they are now. <laughs> they should they be best friends now. <laughs> that or this is Kirk with me like, hey, dude, I'm sorry about that whole Lucille head bash thing. Um, yeah. Let me give you some work, man. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> um, and, and just to throw out there, um, only because you, you talked about the Photoshop earlier. One, J.K. Simmons is just excellent in this role. But you know who I've imagined? If, they shouldn't make a live action Invincible. Let me say that first. But if that were to happen... It's John Hamm. John Hamm is, is Omni-Man in my mind. I can see that. I like that. Like, imagine John Hamm with a mustache and that haircut, and I think it's, like, perfect. I can see that. Um, not to get too far ahead, but they are doing a live-action Invincible. Oh, who knew? Uh, exactly. I didn't know it was still happening. Uh, Seth Rogen's production company has the rights for live-action Invincible. Um, which is why Seth Rogen is Alan the Alien in this. Um, um, uh, and I have no fucking idea what the live action is supposed to be. 
And at this point, I'm kind of like, can you just not do the live action, please? Yeah, like this is it. this is too good. You're setting yourself up. The comic was amazing. The series has been amazing. <laughs> you don't don't push your luck. Exactly. And, and this is one of those places where like I want animation and I want cartoons to really get the credit where it's due. Um, I we've never have we sat down and talked about uh, the Miles Morales movie because like it's it's better than what they would have done with live action, just period, right? It like, is. Into the Spider-Verse is just better than what they would have done with live action, and I'm so happy that that happened. I, I have a whole emotional response to that as well, but I mean to say that, like, it, what I love about it is that it did things on screen that comic books do. Um, yeah, the, the art style was fantastic. And, and, like, bringing that to life, because Invincible very much feels like it's, it feels like the comic book in motion. And that's what I really enjoy about the Invincible cartoon. And I I don't think you could do that on film. I mean, if you can, like if you manage to make that in some sort of way, like kudos to you. I would love to see it because I will also love it and be impressed. But this is one of those places where I think you could just leave it alone and like, hey, I don't have the rights to this, but how can I just support the cartoon and make it even better? And the thing that I love about this, and, and after watching the whole thing, because um, I was uh, when they first announced they were going to do it as an animated series, I was a little little taken aback. Um, but the more I thought about it, and especially the more I thought about it after having seen it, there's no way you can do this live action and do it justice. Yeah, this is because and here's the thing: it gets back to what we talked about the universe building. Uh, Robert Kirkman does not think small; he does not At tell all. small stories. I mean, in uh, episode two, we have an alien invasion. To do that live action, uh, we're talking full-on uh, end of Avengers 1 alien invasion. Yeah, That movie had a budget of like $150 million. You can't do that for an episode of a show. You can do yeah. that when it's animated. Uh, there's no way to do this show live action. Every Think of it this way. Uh, one of my biggest disappointments in The Boys is the lack of translation from the world building in the comic to the show. And yeah. the biggest reason for that is when you're drawing a comic book, you can draw in as many characters as you want. Doesn't cost you anything. Just ink and paper, you know? When you're doing it as a TV show, that's an actor you have to hire. That's a costume you have to create. Uh, it, it exponentially drives up the, the cost of the show. Mm-hmm. When you're doing it in animation, all you got to do is draw them in. Yeah. You know, if they're not speaking and you don't have to have a voice act for them, you set the drama in the background. It's fine. So the fact that the universe building, the world building translates so well from comic to series is because they went with animation because yeah. they can draw and we can have giant alien invasions in the second episode. We can have uh, Invincible goes to Mars in episode three or four or whatever, which again, that, that the budget to do that live action would be astronomical. No one's going to afford that. Right. Uh, the gore. If you do that level of gore in live action, you're gonna get if it's if it's theatrical, you're gonna get an NC seventeen. Period. Yeah. Uh the fact that it's a cartoon uh plays on that American bias of oh it's okay, it's just animated. Uh yeah. because they don't skimp on the gore in this show at all. At all. Uh one of the most horrifying things I've seen for a while, and I'm a guy who's been mainlining Shudder for weeks, uh, <laughs> is that train sequence at the end of uh the last episode. 
Dude. Uh, which is just physically and emotionally fucking brutal. Like, because they, they, the part of their battle in the comic is like, there's a train and you see people on the train, like, you know, people have died. But this, like, it was fucked up, man. I mean, it, it, it was. I apologize yeah. for my language there. I mean, like, it was like, wow. It's Omni Man literally rubbing his face in it. Uh, of how weak and how fragile these people are and how they mean nothing. And it's 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 a great moment. But again, to do that live action, first of all, how much would that have cost in a, in visual effects to have them a train, you know, blowing yeah. apart around them? And then the gore. Uh, like, no, there's no way you do that live action. So I don't know what the current plan is. I don't know if it's, at this point, I hope it's not just we're going to make an Invincible movie and we're going to, again, redo the story of Omni-Man turning evil or, or revealing he's evil. Like, you can't do, you, you've, you've pulled off the same trick twice because you changed up your mediums. You went from a comic book, which arguably most of the people watching the show haven't read the comic. Right. So it's a big reveal. But now everyone's watched the show. So if in two or three years an Invincible movie comes out, you can't just do that story again. We've all seen it. We all know it's coming now. Right. So I I, I, I really hope they just announced that they cancel it and, and just let... Because I think Seth Rogen is a producer on the show. I could be wrong, but I think he's a producer on the show too. Just just give him more of a producer role on the show and forget the live action movie. Just just right. don't. Let it go. Uh. But another thing they've drastically improved on, and again, and, you know, I've, I've, I've been sitting here praising the universe building in the comic, um, but the show takes a few background characters and really kind of gives them uh, some weight and, and more to do than just to be like, uh, specifically talking about the character Amber, uh, Mark's girlfriend. Yes. Who is character in name only. Uh, as far as translating her from the comic That's to sure. the screen. And and for once, I say in name only, and I mean it as praise. Um, because Amber in the comics is pretty boring. Yeah. Um, her, her, her only character moments come from she's the pretty girl that likes Mark, and Mark starts dating her. Uh, you never really get much of a sense of, like what their relationship is because every time you see him somewhere it's mark having to leave to go do superhero stuff um and then he reveals to her who he is uh and they have that touching moment where they you know cash in their v cards together uh but as far as like amber on her own i think there's only one issue where you see her doing anything that doesn't revolve around mark and even then it's her talking to somebody about mark yeah in the series, not only did we completely change her race, she's not just a, a valley girl bottle blonde anymore. She uh, She's African-American. Uh, you get a sense of even when Mark's not around, she's still a completely fleshed out person. Mm-hmm. We get the, the introduction is, again, Kirkman playing off expectations. She's getting harassed by some dude. And Mark jumps in to be the hero and like defend her honor, and Mark gets his ass kicked. Right. And she nutshots the bully because she can take care of herself. Uh, it's it's a beautiful moment of like we we're setting up. You, you've seen this a million times. You think you know where this is going, and then let me twist it on you. Um, and then there's the whole thing with her volunteering at the soup kitchen, and and you get a bit of her background and wanting to give back. And then for me, the other huge moment, um, which they were building up to, is is when you know, she's frustrated with Mark. 
she keep, he keeps disappearing. He keeps letting her down. He keeps missing important dates, uh, like, you know, meeting her parents for the first time and stuff. And uh, she calls it quits. And he's like, well, okay, I'm going to reveal to her that I'm invincible and she'll understand why I've been missing so much stuff. And she'll fall back in love with me and everything will be gravy. And he reveals it. And she's like, yeah, I know. Get yeah. out. And I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of complain about what that is like online because they're like, well, she knew, and then she was still mad, even though she knew what he was doing. And I'm like, have, people don't hang out. You know, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm around teenagers all the time. I mean, this is that is like almost exactly what a, a, a teenager's kind of mind would go through because there's, they have all of these different expectations of what relationships are supposed to be like. And so they may know that you're doing this thing and you're not telling them, and then they're just mad you didn't tell them. I mean, like, I'm... <laughs> um, <laughs> I, especially like these last couple of years I've had juniors and seniors. And so like just hearing the, like, you know, the, the, the overture of their, their different relationship issues. It's like, you know, people are like, this doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yes, precisely. That is exactly, <laughs> it, it works perfectly. <laughs> That's exactly what teenagers are really going through. Um, you know, cause it, maybe it's been a few years for everybody else since they've been a teenager. That is precisely what would happen. I, I really enjoyed the way that they, um, brought to life their like teenage relationships as well. Um, Cause I think that's an important part to your, you, you know, your, your teenage superhero. And if you leave it out a little bit too much, you don't get the same feel, um, you know, worrying about school and all those sorts of things. Um, it, I think it always humanizes those characters in a way. Um, Cause everybody can relate to school, right? Everybody can relate to that, that feeling of, man, I forgot about this class that I'm supposed to be taking, you know, this whole time I've skipped it. And now the finals this week, uh, I still have that dream. <laughs> that, that, that nightmare. <laughs> yes. Yes. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite Tyler moment in, in the history of Tyler. <laughs> I call up our buddy Tyler Jones to go get lunch or something. And I did not know he'd been up the entire night before cramming for a final. So he answers the phone. John, what day is it? <laughs> Tuesday. Oh, thank God. Okay. Huh. What's up? What do you need? <laughs> I, I I remember that moment. I remember you. I just remember you telling me about it. And I still think it is absolutely hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> he passed out. Alarm wasn't set. He woke up with the phone. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> Tuesday. Oh, thank God. Okay, what what do you want now? Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, like they 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 take minor supporting characters who are and again rereading the comic. I reread the whole first um hardcover, which I think is the first forty eight issues. Um. And Amber and his best friend, his name I forget, are really just backup characters. They're just there. So Mark has like friends at school. And every once in a while, he'll, like, have a big heart-to-heart with them. But he's a terrible boyfriend because, again, and, and, and that's one of the things I loved about Amber's her thing of, yeah, I know you are. Get out. Uh, it was like, yeah, okay, you're invincible. You're saving the world. Cool. That's great. Uh, good for you. You're still a terrible boyfriend. You, yeah. you constantly miss dates, even important stuff where it's like, come over and meet my parents, and you just don't show up. Uh, you, 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 you miss everything we set, everything I tell you that's important to me, you completely flake on and then think you can just make up for it by bringing me a present. 
no like you i get i get why you can't be here for me fine but you're still a terrible boyfriend yeah uh which i found that really refreshing <laughs> um and then uh his his best friend whose name i completely blank on uh because he's very forgettable in the comic yeah. uh he he gets something to do in in this with uh and i i, I love how they weaved it in from the first episode it wasn't like a big like reveal thing later of his his best friend is gay and and that might be a little bit of tokenism um but it it, it at least gives the character some personality um uh, when they go to visit college and he's crushing on the the guy who's uh going to give them the the tour and who ends up becoming a Rihanna man Rihanna man, Rihanna men, whatever. Um, yeah. the robot zombie thing. Uh, it gives him some pathos, and and he you know goes into the, he takes some agency of his own to go try to find his friend. Uh, he doesn't just you know he's not just um passive in the story. He doesn't just get kidnapped because he's there. It's it's you know he he took an active role. Um, so improvements, maybe not you know perfect, but I think they're vast improvements. Oh yeah. Um. And across the board, uh, this whole first series, and, and then the first series covers uh, like the first twenty or so issues of the comic. Um, and again, it, events get shifted around a bit, but everything that's in the show is in the comics. We drop some things out. Uh, there's a whole subplot about their teacher kidnapping high schoolers and turning them into walking bombs. Oh they yeah, cut, they cut that out, <laughs> understandably so. Um, even Kevin Smith kind of gave Kirkman shit for okay. So you had two storylines that involved a mad scientist kidnapping teenagers and turning them into half man, half machines. Because uh, there's the <laughs> I turned them into bombs, and then a few issues later, there's the the introduction of the Rihanna Men, uh, which is I turned you into robot zombies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which Kirkman was like, no, no, those are completely different. <laughs> <laughs> Any, so far anyway, any missed opportunities, you think? Things that you loved from the comp that the show uh, didn't do or didn't do the way you would have liked to have seen it done? I can't think of anything. And and mind you, I've only, so I started rereading it again because it had been a long time. So I just made it back to like issue 10 here pretty recently for myself. Um, so I don't think it's missed out on anything that I can really think of. Um there's only one I would call flaw, and I am the only person who would call this a flaw. Um, there's a very, very important background character that runs through not just uh, Invincible, but also in The Walking Dead. That is sort of here, but has been changed. And I'm going to get deep comic book nerdy on you. <laughs> What's Mark's favorite comic book in Invincible? Oh, I don't know. Science Dog. Oh, my God. And what t-shirt does Carl wear through at least the first, uh, okay, first like two crap. seasons of the show and the first, I don't know how many issues of the comic? It's the Science Dog logo. So, Holy one of the things. Crap, dude. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I'm sorry. I just I completely forgot about One of the science things dog. I was looking for. That's fine. I told you I was gonna get nerdy. One of the things I was looking for in the first episode is I better fucking see science dog. 
And one of the things that I had to pause the show because I was mad about is in the series, it's not Science Dog. It's Seance Dog. And I had to jump to the internet and be like, where the fuck is my Science Dog? What is this shit? Uh, Apparently, Kirkman licenses Science Dog as its own character. Uh, so if you buy the Invincible uh, rights to do like a show or a movie or whatever, you have to separately negotiate for Science Dog. <laughs> Kirkman is under the impression he will at some point develop Science Dog as its own property. You know, I would read it. I would watch it. <laughs> I would too, but still. And I give them points for turning into a pun. Yes. Uh, but instead of being like a, a tech genius uh, anthropomorphic dog, it's now a master of the mystic arts anthropomorphic dog, Seance Dog, who's definitely not a dog version of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Definitely not. Doctor Strange, you mean? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. My golf clap for your fun. Um, so that is, and I, yes, it is the nitpickiest of nitpicks. Um, that is the, honestly the only negative thing I have to say about this show. Um, it is just, it's so good. And, and from the art style, which like you said, looks very much straight comic book uh, in motion. The voice cast, there is not a weak link among the voice cast. Even stuff, you know, minor characters suddenly get elevated, like um, the art, the the guy who designs the costumes being voiced yeah. by Mark Hamill. <clears throat> the fact that it's Mark Hamill kind of elevates that character a bit because he gets his instant nerd credit, um, both as an actor and as a voice actor. Uh, whether you know him as Luke Skywalker or the Joker, you'll recognize that voice, and it's amazing because of it. And there's um, something about his voice that just like draws you in, you know. It just, it, yeah, you're you're absolutely right that it just gives some depth to a character that doesn't even necessarily need it, but by giving it there, it just you know rounds out the show even better. Um, the action is brutal and intense and uh, different from superhero stuff we've seen so far. I mean, it, it, in that okay, it's an alien invasion, we're fighting off the aliens, but it, it does it. It, it it very much walks the line between complete total realism, like the boys tries to do, and we're still a comic book. It 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 blurs that line a bit, mm-hmm. uh, which I think it's 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 not so hyper realized that it takes all the fun out of it. It's still fun superhero stuff, uh, but actions have consequences, uh, yeah. and that's refreshing to see in uh, you know especially post uh, Man of Steel. Uh, it's, it's refreshing to see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you knock a building over, it's going to be collateral damage. Uh, so don't knock a building over. But, uh, I mean, it, it's just, it's so good. Um, for newcomers, it's great. For old dogs like us, uh, who, who are you know fans of the comic, it is, at the same time, exactly what we want to see but presented in a new way. So I never felt bored. Yes. Uh, it is. And I will say just the, the invincible comic books, you're absolutely correct. In, in one of those things, if you're intimidated by buying comic books, this is a great place to start. Like something that you want to like, you'd like to have a collection of something you'd like to kind of like dive in and 
know everything about a character. This is a great place to go in because like, you're not going to have to, you know, read the brave and the bold or, you know, whatever other tie in that they happen to be in to know what's going on. Yeah. And, and again, translates beautifully to the show is you, you don't have to worry about anything else. You just put it in the first episode. You're good to go. We'll catch you up along the way. Yeah. Uh, it's because it's even even, you know, MCU now is, is starting to get a little weighty in terms of um, how many characters there are, what's going on. I mean, uh, arguably, we've, we've had our first event movie. In in a you know Marvel the MCU was the first like interconnected movie comic book universe yeah and um, Endgame was the first comic book movie event and that it completely reshaped uh, the status quo of the movie universe <clears throat> and then we got our I'm sorry but Spider Man Far From Home is absolutely a Endgame tie in comic yeah turned into a movie. You're absolutely uh, correct. If you haven't seen Endgame, you're going to be confused all through Spider-Man. That's for sure. Uh, and then uh, it, it goes on to um, um, where we are now with our, our um, uh, spinoff uh, Disney Plus shows. Yeah, I mean, could you have not watched Endgame and watched WandaVision? No. Um, mostly, this, I mean, you couldn't have I guess you could have maybe skipped Endgame and watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, you, yeah, it's uh, you'd be, be very difficult. confused as to what happened to Steve, but yes. it, it wouldn't be impossible. Yeah, but yeah, um, so yeah, they've definitely gone as that. T- I mean, like when my wife watches any Marvel movies or television shows. Like I have to be available to answer all questions, right? <laughs> so, uh, so it's it's definitely gotten into a weighty category. I I, I will give it that. Uh, none of that with Invincible. Um, again, you can jump right in on the ground floor, and 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 what what I think is great is, is yes, there's plenty of shows where you can. Yes, I understand every series ever. If you start with episode one, you're in on the ground floor. I get that. What makes Invincible great is even at ground floor episode one level, you're stepping into what feels like a fully fleshed out universe. Yeah. We're not building the entire universe as we go. The universe has already been built. We're just stepping into it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that is really hard to do and really rare to see done well. And, and this 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 um, IP does it wonderfully, both in comic and series form. Absolutely. Uh, so that said, last topic we're going to touch on, uh, they announced at, um, the same day that the last episode of season one aired, uh, that it has already been picked up for a second and a third season. Um, rumor is Kirkman thinks he can do it in five seasons. So Don season two, invincible, anything you're dying to see. Um, this is just a personal thing, but I want more Black Samson because uh, <laughs> I really enjoy that character. Um, but what I want to see is um, a continuation of, of some things that w- where we've been. And um, I guess I, I obviously want to see those. I want to see the Martians again. I want to see what's the 
what's the like the cat, uh, the, the evil like warrior from space that you know nearly kills Mark? Like I want to see all of those characters come back, and I want to see Mark grow in that way because we we got um, a cartoon called Invincible where the main character whose name is Invincible gets beat up a lot. Um, but he's still alive, so that's true. <laughs> that is true. His name um, isn't invulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I, I what I'm dying to see really is is how do they play off of that? How do they continue to give us vulnerable, um, you know, emotionally and physically, Mark, who is also growing to be his own person without his father around? And how does he handle some of these things? If he can't call his dad for backup, um, how does he handle being the main superhero that the, you know, this government agency is going to call on? Um, and so, and obviously I just want to see how do these threads continue? Um, that's the thing I'm most excited to see. We've been introduced to, to some villains. How do we continue to see them grow? How's his relationship with Adam Eve going to grow? I'm really excited for all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is battle beast, sir. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, that's, there's the invincible story gets so epic. Uh, there, there's, there is not a wasted plot thread anywhere in in both the comic and the series. So every little thread, every seed planted is going somewhere. Um, I'm excited to see how they interpret that for the show. Um, I'm really excited to see there's, there's a villain that we have not even introduced yet, but he's a big villain in the sh- in the sorry in the comic, um, and has infinite infinite potential uh, for what this show could become and and how it could play with things. And that is uh, spoiler for if you haven't read the comics, uh, Angstrom Levy, the guy whose superpower is he can jump between multiverses. Yes. Uh, who will come to declare Invincible as his nemesis, even though Invincible really didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, one of those beautiful Kirkman uh, things of, you're my arch nemesis. Who are you again? Um, uh, I love that dynamic. Um, but thinking of what they could do with that character in the series uh, makes my mouth water. Yeah, because we, at some point we meet like people from the different universes as well, don't we? We meet a bunch of different versions of Mark. Yes, I forgot. Oh, okay. I'm gonna end up reading all of this again over the next couple of months. <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm like yeah. super excited because it's been so long. Yeah. Um. And it, it doesn't even mention. Uh, spoiler. Yes, Omni Man's gonna come back. Uh, yeah. and uh, he's not the only Vulture Mite who's gonna come back. Uh, the whole Alan the Alien character, he's going to have a lot to do later on uh, yeah. when he mentions the, uh, whatever he calls it, the Alliance of Worlds or whatever it's supposed to be called. I, I forget. I'm playing too much Mass Effect, sorry. Um, <laughs> that is not just random dialogue. That is a huge storyline uh, being planted in season one. So yeah, I'm more concerned of can he pull it off in five seasons? I mean, um, if you tell me 10 seasons, sure, cool. But uh, the way they're sort of expanding on things and letting things breathe a bit more, like, I don't want to see them rush to end it all in five seasons. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to read it again, and then I'll update you <laughs> on whether or not I think five seasons is feasible. <laughs> nice. Uh, any other invincible stuff to get off your chest? That's all I could think of, but now I kind of want to uh, figure out a way that we can play like uh, like a, a few sessions of Masks since you've never gotten to play it. Um, get all of my superhero nerd friends together and, and run a game of that. That would be fun. HRL Avengers Assemble. <laughs> heck yeah. Heck yeah. Oh my gosh. At the Denny's. <laughs> Some order a carafe of hot chocolate. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> the way comic books are meant to be discussed. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, Don, thank you so much for joining me. Um, Thanks for having me again. I'm happy to have you, man. Uh, so that has been our discussion of Invincible. Uh, we really like it. If you yes. couldn't tell. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> we recommend both of them. If you want to dip your toe in with the, the series and then jump back and, and start reading the comics, you got plenty of time. Um, season one just came to a close and it's going to be at least a year before season two comes out because animation takes time, especially animation that beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So you got plenty of time to get caught up. You can, you can binge the show. It's was it eight episodes, 10 episodes. Um, for one season, you're done there, and then jump to your local comic book store and start getting those trades. Uh, just start dropping titles of sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, and uh, they'll have one of them at least. Um, yeah. And <laughs> hit uh, comic bo- uh, comicstorelocator.com to find the store nearest you. Support your local comic book stores. Um, or be like Don and buy a digital copy, whatever. Um, but I read do it. both. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, buddy. <laughs> read the comic. However you can get your hands on it, read the comic. It's worth it. Um, and thanks for joining us for your weekly Nerd Alert.